A robot boy named David, Haley Joel Osment, is accepted into the home of a mother struggling with the pain of having a gravely ill child. When that child unexpectedly recovers, the mother discards him in the woods, rather than having him destroyed at the factory that made him. Believing the fairy tale of Pinocchio, David then sets out on a journey in an attempt to become a real boy, and in doing so, regain his mother's love. From 2001, from Steven Spielberg, AI, Artificial Intelligence. Man, and I'm a mama. Mama? D- yeah. Did you say mama? Are are, are uh-huh. you my mama? Well, I should have said mommy, I guess. <laughs> I'm I'm Ryan and I'm in search of a mommy. Mommy. Oh, I don't like it. I don't like it. And this is Mama Needs a Movie. He's a little he's a he's a he's a little bit single white female. He's a little bit uh stalker. You and think this is about a, a, a this is that's an interesting idea. <laughs> this is the first movie about a son that's a stalker of his own he, mother. I, I was, yeah, that was my my first, huh? Yeah, I guess you could read it that way. That's an inter, that is an interesting read of old David of young David in this movie. You know, in the changing climate, I was like, you know what, he might be overstepping a little bit. <laughs> Uh, Um, but before we get too deep into it yeah it's the what this first day second day of the sag strike this today was the first day the first first day day. well because it's midnight so it's kind of yesterday but then it was Mm -hmm. today and uh yeah we we went yes we went we went we went we went out there today our uh i know our guest was out there as he is uh every day uh, as a wga captain and very uh very active in the this current labor action um, our guest, I'm really excited about our guest. This episode was a kind of my brainchild. It was a little bit my idea to do oh, this. Oh, a brainchild? All, all That's this. kind of what an AI baby is. <laughs> I kind of said, I kind of, this was kind of my idea to say, I want to combine all these elements for this show. Mm-hmm. Our guest today, uh, is, uh, is a screenwriter. He's, a, he wrote the film Fist Fight. He's, uh-huh. he, he wrote on the show Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Mm-hmm. As I said, he's a WGA captain. He's he got many projects going. He's the founder of Van Labs, which uh, if you want to check it out, it's all they're always doing something interesting. They're kind of like that William Hurt thing that, that William Hurt does <laughs> yes. in this movie. <laughs> uh, he's the host of the Read podcast, a great podcast of ad reads. Um, and I, the one thing I'll say about him is that there, I know a lot of good writers uh, I don't know a lot of good writers who know anything about show business. And our guest actually knows a thing or two about show business. Oh. He actually he's actually has a curiosity about the industry that he works in. And for that, I, I, I always enjoy talking to him. Our guest today is Van Robichaux. Hey, guys, it's great to be here. Uh, really excited to talk about the movie. And uh, I was, in fact, out uh, on the picket line today, both uh, at uh, Television City, my usual picketing location. And I also stopped by Paramount with my wife, who is a SAG member. So we did a a WGA SAG uh, couples picket. Um. Was she excited to be not angry just for you, but for herself as well? Well, she's also uh, a WGA member oh, okay. as well, so she's been angry for a while about a lot of things. Um, <laughs> but it was it was nice uh, for us to have just a new round of of anger. Anyone she can be angry with that isn't me is always a, a 
great for our marriage. <laughs> are you like, uh, are you yeah. like, hey, hey, honey, this counts as a date, doesn't it? <laughs> Honestly, uh, kind of. I asked if she'd like to go do it together and she was like, oh, that's so sweet. And so I take that as that counts as a date. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It's going to be tough, though, when it's when it's like uh, you do you do it every day. Then <laughs> how are you how are you gonna keep the strike spicy? You know, That's like true. how are you gonna keep the longevity like <laughs> how do you continue to strike date? Do you have a plan? Well, she's a dual member, so she can keep switching signs. So that's something. Okay, that's good. That's <laughs> oh good. yeah, that's that's now that that makes it exciting. After after a long, you got to keep you know you got to keep the, the the spark alive. Yeah, you can just strike. have one sign that you flip around. I guess you could do that. <laughs> do that. Um, today, Fran, uh, we were just talking about how Fran Drescher was touring all the locations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was Beyonce, and then someone said, "Oh, it's Fran Drescher," and I was <laughs> like, "Why are you all freaking out?" <laughs> it was Beyonce? I'd yeah, be like, she's out there. Okay. Her and Duncan Crabtree. I, I wanted to ask about this. Uh, you you ran uh, for the WGA Board of Directors last summer, mm-hmm. and during that your candidacy, you were the f- first person that I might have heard talk about the use of AI in. Uh, in yeah. lens-based media, or, or as it relates to, hey guys, perhaps this should be mm-hmm. enter into our next round of negotiations. And so you sounded kind of an er- early warning bell about this, and not that you are a spokesperson on the issue or that you have to be or anything, but but for someone that's listening that maybe doesn't even understand the the, the kernel of this, like how would you describe what actors, writers, directors have to face? with like AI as a, as a potential a threat to their livelihood in the future. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so I was, uh, when I ran, um, last year and I am running again, by the way, oh, um, okay. and please yes. vote for Van. Come on, like, like I said, <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> please. This is a campaign stop. <laughs> okay. Um, I was, uh, I was the only person in the election who, who brought it up at the time. And I had, um, experimented with the technology myself a few years prior um, because I just try and stay on top of these things because I'm just very technically minded. I was an engineer before I um, in college before switching to liberal arts. You're like an early adopter. You always you're you're, you're always on top of the new tech. I had a smartphone before people had iPhones. I had a big giant MP3 player before iPad uh, or iPods and I was playing with GPT-2 before the the three and four. Um, But so um, the way I would explain it is there are are two main places where the AI systems that are being developed and deployed right now interact with Hollywood creators and artists. Uh, The first is the training that the systems do. And then the second is the work that the systems create. Mm -hmm. And so the important thing to realize about these modern AI systems is that they only work because they are trained on large bodies of existing material for a text generating ai that's written material that's basically those are trained on a download of the entire contents of the internet and uh which seems like a lot of stuff (laughs) it's several terabytes of data um and the image generation Artificial intelligence systems are trained on the Getty Images library. They're trained on still frames from movies. They're trained on all sorts of things, both scraped from the internet and then just called from books and media and 
illegal and downloaded BitTorrent website things and all of that. So part one where it's concerning is it it gobbles up the actual creative output of the Hollywood creative community in order to function. Uh, and it does that with no compensation for the artists that create the work or the even the studios that uh, release the work. So the, these mm -hmm. AI companies are just gobbling up all this information. And because it's a new technology, they're saying, well, surely this is perfectly fine for us to do that. Mm -hmm. And so that's mm -hmm. one end of it where it's kind of a problem on the way in. And then on the way out, it can be a problem because it has the potential to replace the labor done by Hollywood artists, but as a more immediate threat to undermine the contracts and guarantees we currently have for our labor uh, in ways that aren't anticipated. And so mm -hmm. something that Fran Drescher uh, and Duncan Crabtree brought up in the uh, SAG press conference yesterday was uh, something that apparently the companies were asking for in this contract was the ability to take one day's background actor work mm -hmm. uh, and use AI to then just put that background actor in any movie or television show forever in perpetuity with no additional compensation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So they scan you once and they own you forever. Yeah. Right. And, and so, you know, yeah, that would be fine if they want to set the background actor day rate at, you know, eight hundred fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> Um, but I which don't is, think which is it's only seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars right now. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think it's a, I think it is. It's I believe about one hundred and twenty eight dollars. Um, it's a bagel right now. It yes. is a bagel. OK, um, yeah, that's funny. But so that, that's that's an example of how the, the contract is not designed for, you know, one day's work to equal your entire lifetime of film output. Mm -hmm. um, and so there are similar things with writing where you could use A.I. to generate just sort of a terrible uh, first draft of a script that's completely unusable. However, uh, that would reclassify the job of writing that first draft by a human as a rewrite, which has a lower minimum. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And so there are things where it's like the technology doesn't necessarily even have to be useful for anything but undermining things in the contracts uh, for it to be a, a way to kind of screw over artists. And so uh, there are lots of uh, different ways that it could be uh, harmful. Um, there are certainly ways that it could be helpful. You know, one way that it's used right now uh, with actors, and I, I don't think I've heard necessarily of actors objecting to this, is um, there is AI-based technology that can be used to combine two takes into one take. Um, mm. And I've seen this has been used on things. So if like you get the blocking right on one take, but you get the line, you nail the line delivery on another take, you can kind of seamlessly blend those two takes into one take in a way that you wouldn't really be able to do with an edit. Yeah, um, that's, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I don't think that that's particularly objectionable. Um, you know, I think that I could see maybe certain purist artists saying, I don't like the idea that these blended frames of uh, between my mm -hmm. two takes are, are happening. But I think that that's something that I feel like I don't think a contract for all actors needs to ban something like that. Um, but I think mm -hmm. the idea of one day's work gets uh, repurposed um, uh, to several other movies. It's, it's really the, uh, the 
Space Jam 2 serververse writ large. Um, <laughs> yeah. The second time the Space Jam serververse yes, and, and the droogs know. on a loop have come up. Yeah, but I think that, I mean, that obviously was licensed. They had to pay to use the droogs. So that's like, yeah. well, even right? more, right? some actors, those are, those are extra droogs that are being paid. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, but I mean, to uh, license yeah. that, that imagery, yes. probably they had to pay somewhere mm. because of, because of how recognizable droogs are. Even in the ridiculous example, it's like, yeah, someone got paid for that. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah the, and I think like some, some there's a, uh, a not so stable understanding on the thing that's like, well, what if it's a tool? What if it's a cool tool that everyone wants to use? And it's like it, it more than likely will, as you're saying, be an interesting tool that everyone wants to use. But as is the case, like with the with the Directors Guild, which I don't which I, I, I mean, this is purely my opinion. I believe they fumbled sort of their their handling of like AI and their, um you know, in their contract. But you know, a lot of the, these discussions were about were about how like, well, they have a protection so that an AI, a robot cannot direct a film. Well, that's probably not going to happen. A robot is not going to direct a film. Yeah. But a robot may generate a shot list that that a director has to. That could happen. I could see that happening this year, mm -hmm. you know, uh, potentially. You're like a continuity, like a continuity robot. Yeah, that which would be good. completely because... possible. I think whenever I'm aware of this stuff and I'm not nearly as involved as you two are, it's it, it's it's like the the headline grabbing kind of jobs are what are focused on. But then all the people who are in these much more time consuming, difficult jobs that really don't win Oscars, they're just is sort of the working people of these of these professions. It's like nobody even outside of L.A. is aware of what like what an A.D. is. Mm -hmm. Um and I think that's the thing, maybe as somebody who's not super rich at the moment, I'm like, yeah, whenever we're talking about this stuff, it's like people who are already working incredibly hard and then trying to compete with something that will never need to go home to take care of their kids. Yeah. And that bugs me. That it's like, oh, you're, you're we already find it socially unacceptable to go home to take care of your kids. And now you're adding machines or some like process by which someone will be quicker than a person and have fewer emotional attachments. That element of it is like, mm, don't love it. Yeah. Don't love it. Yeah. And those jobs are like, like an AD's job. People, uh, I think they think like an AD is the assistant director, but like, like a lot of people think that's maybe just a, um, like a scheduling type job, but there is, there's great sensitivity involved in it. And you're working with actors and schedules and sometimes personal things about the actors and personal things about the people involved. And it's, a uh, it needs the human touch, you know, uh, uh, all of these things, you know, but, um, but it's a, it's a strange time. And we, we thought it would be appropriate and interesting to talk to you about, a film about artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. uh, there are, I could, we can go on and on. There's 2001, there's Terminator, there's uh, the Criterion channel right now has a series of which AI is a part, Johnny Mnemonic and, and uh, Zardoz and her and a bunch of movies. Are you, now, are you, in addition to being like a tech guy, are you a sci-fi person? Uh, yeah, I, I enjoy a, a good sci-fi. I'm a big guy. I'm, I'm more of a... Uh of a Trekkie than a Star Wars guy. Mm -hmm. Oh, interesting. Oh. Um, which generation? Which area of space? <laughs> which 
the Alpha Quadrant. Okay. Uh, well, no, but there's deep space. There's deep space, and then sure. there's is that. Yeah. Uh, the, I'm a. Uh, I would say my favorite uh, is a Star Trek: The Next Generation. Yeah, I think that one's yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Earl Grey hot. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Same. Same. <laughs> so I, I would say that I lean more towards uh, hard sci-fi, mm-hmm. uh, which is. Uh, I think uh, something I would say that that AI, uh, AI artificial intelligence falls in that category. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 You mean like like more science based? Yes. Uh, yeah. That's uh, it's yeah. a yeah. I took a college course on science fiction cinema and that was a big distinction that they just kept talking about. So I take that to be a uh, something meaningful to <laughs> distinguish the two things. <laughs> yeah. Well, the ones where it's like, well, this could never happen and it isn't even based on something that does happen. Right. And then ones where it's like, well, if we took this to its logical conclusion, which kind of makes sense because that's what you're doing right now with the with the AI and the strike is logical conclusion. Let's Log- go to the logical, to the logical conclusion. conclusion. Yeah. Let's people, take it to the limit one yeah, more time. Take it to the limit AI. one more time. Now that's a good science fiction movie. Miami Vice. <laughs> yeah. The two cops act like that. That is sci-fi. Um, uh, uh, this movie I fa- I saw when it came out, I, th- I thought that it was so, uh, it was a very disconcerting film when I saw it. Mm-hmm. And I've never really properly di- like discussed it at length, I think. <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, and uh, did you see this when it came out? I saw this when it came out and I saw it again like a few years later um, mm-hmm. and have not revisited it since then. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I had forgotten a few chunks of it. And so I still was surprised by a few things. I remember um, I remember liking it when it came out. And revisiting it now, I'm like, this is a weird movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is so weird. It's it very is weird. A one of a kind. I mean, it so is I, like, yeah. I have a couple of. Uh, where, where are we on? Uh, should I be making some observations about the movie? Like, what? Where? Yeah. Where are we in talking I mean, I about think, it? Like, if you can talk about like what you took away from it the first time, because it was 2001. It was 2001. Weird year. Yeah. Well, this is a this is uh, one of the final uh, pre 9-11 films. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, very released, obviously. It's really pre 9 eleven. Twenty nine, two thousand was released about a month, two and a half months. The before. Twin Towers uh, very clearly shown frozen in ice in the film, uh, yeah. which suggests to me that this is a, uh, a far future where 9-11 didn't happen. And that, mm-hmm. that is responsible yeah. for uh I guess the global warming acceleration and things like that. That's my oh, guess. So it's a good thing that 9-11 happened. <laughs> well, that seems to be what this movie is suggesting now. Okay. You know. All right. Yeah. That's what happened. Yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, take it up with Spielberg and Kubrick, not with oh, me. They, yeah. he, they know, they know Spielberg at this point has, has the ability to know what the future is. You couldn't yeah. Kubrick did that shit. Kubrick shot it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He did it. It's like he the moon it. landing. Yes. Yeah. He was yeah. actually, <laughs> He's like, let's do 400 more takes of that. He was like, come on, Shelly, get it right. Shelly. Oh, um, my God. But yeah, I, I, I remember uh, I remember the rewatch was, uh, you know, DVDs were very hot at the time. And uh, I think I did buy AI, oh, <laughs> artificial yeah. intelligence on DVD only to watch it one more time. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was a move back then. I got the two disc special edition somewhere around here. I probably there's, watched There's good special disc. features on it. I remember watching them. They they cover a lot of the um, concept art that had originally been done before, like uh, 
oh, no, we're going to now do this and Spielberg's going to direct it. Yeah. You know, I have an observation that I'll save for later, but there's a, a this movie, I think, is a lot uh, has a lot to say about the current AI situation that I talked about, even though that wasn't intended. But we're going to get to that later. Yes. Now, this, this is this. I'm fascinated to hear how this how this all folds in, uh, if it folds in at all. I was worried that perhaps it wouldn't fold in at all. Um, but um, if you don't know, basically, this was a this was a passion project or a side project, sort of a Kubrick this was a pubic side piece for many years. And yeah. I, yeah. For a, like 20 years. Uh, it was a movie. It was a kind of a project that he nursed based on a short story by Brian Aldiss called, um, was it called super toys last? That's all summer long. Super yeah. toys last all summer long. Yeah. Um, which is a, which is actually part of a collection. And the story itself is so short. It's really just the, just the, premise of like there's a lady and she doesn't have a kid and you're not allowed to have children mm-hmm. unless you're in the lottery and you, your number comes up and you're allowed yeah and until that point she has this kid that she, who's three in the story and she's just kind of like he's weird and i don't particularly like him and that's it yeah and the, the short story, you read it this morning and then told me, oh, read it. Uh, uh, and yeah. I, I, I read it uh, this evening. Yeah, like uh, two minutes. It's a, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, a, it's like a truly short, it's a little short story from Harper's Bazaar. And there's a few other things predicted in that story, like that people you'll be able to eat um, whatever Ozempic? you want. That Ozempic is in there? <laughs> Ozempic is in the... Uh, is in I the, was the, like, the, this is Ozempic? <laughs> oh my God, no, it's, it's Ozempic. It's a, it's a safe tapeworm. They, they're, like, yeah. they're like, people have safe tapeworms implanted in their bodies that eat their food. And the other thing is they do say that there's a... The guy says, there, there, you'll be able to access everything on a world data network. So this is yeah. like stories written in 1969, which I guess in 1969... The yeah, that was plausible internet. though. They were working on computers in 1969. So that yeah. was wasn't quite as like oh my god you particularly i did like in the story that they they talk about how the uh the tapeworms selling really well and the tiny dinosaurs are selling really well (laughs) (laughs) i was like oh man there's a whole other version of ai that's all focused on the tiny dinosaurs But maybe I, I loved the teddy bear. I would. I didn't yes. know this was Ted's first film. Uh, <laughs> he was reprogrammed by by Kevin Smith, I guess. Uh, something uh, like that's that how he got that other personality. Seth MacFarlane. He had two options. He was either going to go the crooning route or the cursing route, and they, uh, they made him curse. No, I know Seth MacFarlane made that movie. I just mean that Kevin Smith. Oh, he's embodying like, Kevin in, Smith. In, in something of Kevin Smith exists in Ted that is uh, not in Teddy. Uh, so the so the so Kubrick is nursing this project. He doesn't get around to doing it in his lifetime, and then is like collaborating. You know, like him and Spielberg are talking it over. Spielberg basically takes it over after his death. And no, but realized- he he handed it off already to Spielberg. Oh, way he handed before, it. Okay, because okay, he was right. like, "This is not really my vibe." Because I remember when we we uh, I don't think we went to it, but the the LACMA exhibit about. Kubrick movies and that was one of the things in there was like the visualization of what like what the what the red light district was going to look like and like all these different elements and one of the Mm. things in there was like that he was going to make a Napoleon movie he was going to make a Holocaust movie and when he was working on the Holocaust movie he was like like they have they have like scenes full scenes of this woman that who was going to be the star of this movie. This was the Aryan Papers. Uh, yeah. 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 Whose name I think is Riemann, whose same last name as mine, uh, oh. which is weird. Uh, but then she was never famous because this movie didn't happen because he was like, oh, I think Spielberg has a take on it, which is... <laughs> 
better. <laughs> like mine is going to kill people or whatever. I don't know what his exact reasoning was. But then he had the same idea about this. It was like, this is more your sensibility. Why don't you direct this? Mm, he, okay. So it, it wasn't it wasn't because he died, which I always thought it was sort of because he died, but it, it was... So my yeah. understanding, and again, this is based on uh, quick Googling and then yeah. my memory of originally, yeah. was that uh, you are actually both correct uh-huh. um, because it was Spielberg was going to direct it, mm-hmm. but then he decided he didn't want to and talked Kubrick back into you should direct it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Then he dies. Right. Which sort and of then ends it. <laughs> his wife comes to Spielberg and says, you should actually direct it like he yeah. had originally wanted. Yeah. And oh, he was like, okay, okay. Yeah. well, if All you right. say so. All right. Yeah. All right. So guess... it was like a hot potato they had been tossing back and yeah. forth. Yeah. And the story uh, is a hot potato of, of uh, themes and uh, various uh, sci-fi uh, uh, themes. The uh, the um... But that's so interesting, I think, that those two directors who are so, to me, so, so different in the way that they present the world or the way they see the world, just very different filmmakers had multiple occasions of being like, no, wait, no, I think you, I think you, but it was in the direction of Spielberg, which is interesting that it was like, I like a, maybe an awareness of, of, of like, maybe I, maybe I shouldn't like the way that my mind goes. I need you. <laughs> That's I need your saying, help. Yes. Yeah, some, some self-awareness <laughs> that maybe Kubrick knew he wasn't the warmest director. In the right? He was like, I'm going to just show a lot of dead people with icicles in their chest. Maybe you all have a, like a teddy bear that talks. I don't know. Well, yeah, he, he, he maintained a friendship with Spielberg and like, the, it sounds like that he used Kubrick or that in, in, in Kubrick's mind, Spielberg was kind of the, the exemplar of a, of, of a great Hollywood artist and, 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 a, and a, at the forefront of tech. Like I remember, yeah, I remember reading like Kubrick wants to work on this AI thing and he's not sure it can be done, but he just saw Jurassic Park and now he's like, I think we can do it now. So he yes, he always yeah. had his eye on on Spielberg is like, OK, if, if anyone's going to do it, Spielberg's going to do it. And I think this guy, I think he can do it now. I like think Spielberg misunderstood. He wanted the little dinosaur. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, cool, right? But then, but then when in my reading about it just before doing this, I was like, oh, I didn't realize that for the majority of the time that they were trying to kind of figure out how to make this, they were trying to make a boy. Yes. (laughs) Just seems like, you idiots. Why would you ever think that's a good idea? Yes. It does seem obvious after the fact (laughs) that, uh. You just get a boy to pretend he's a robot. Right. They, they come uh, like that. Just be a little more stilted at times. <laughs> they needed that Blade Runner guy, that uh, the toy maker, to get the, to <laughs> yeah. make, make an actual human or act an actual uh, functional yeah, what was, robot. What is that guy's name? Because I just saw a movie, an Alan Rudolph movie called Songwriter. That's Chris Christopherson and Willie Nelson uh, uh, over at Braindead Theater. Whatever sure. Yeah. Uh, quite fun. The print was dismal, but it was it was quite fun. Ripped horns in it, and that guy who's in Blade Runner, who's the eyeball maker, is yeah. in it. And I was like, oh, it's that guy, but he doesn't have the stuff on his face. Uh, uh what's the, that guy's name? 
the let's see the William Sanderson is the name of the actor. Yeah. In that movie, it's funny briefly. because he's like yeah. he's like they're like how old are you? And he's like twenty nine or whatever. And he's like yeah yeah he's like supposed because he be has like, Benjamin Button because he's got Benjamin Button. That's what he says. Yeah, yeah. He actually <laughs> says that because <laughs> he knows the future. Because all these great filmmakers. They know, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But this movie basically is like it's based on that short story. Spielberg, uh, Spielberg uh, adapted the script uh, with uh, some other people who I'm. I'm uh, but like they, um, was there hey, so, so, you're not respecting the writers right now. <laughs> whatever, whatever. I don't know. I'm doing a Zaslav here. They, whatever. They're, they're not. Uh, but uh, Spielberg, I think there's a misconception. This has been covered and uh, covered and covered and covered, but uh, elsewhere. So I won't go that deep into it. But people think that like Spielberg mucked up the ending or that he changed it away from what Kubrick wanted or whatever. This is this is Spielberg trying to make the film as faithfully to Kubrick's wishes as possible, including the ending that takes place 2000 years in the future, including the more sentimental elements. Like it sounds like this is this really it's not like Spielberg, like adding a bunch of crazy shit to 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 what Kubrick came up with is, you know, kind of the long story short of it. I think mm-hmm. is yeah, what I read in, a, in an interview from him is that his biggest contribution uh, story wise, he said, was the, the middle section with the flesh fair, yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I think is probably the worst section um, mm-hmm. or at least the most confounding. Yeah, um, but did you read that it was supposed that, that Gigolo Joe was initially a G.I. Joe and then I they made I, him? I think, that you know, and you know what? Good change. Yeah. Yeah, but but there was one part of it. I don't know. Wait, he was it's... supposed to be like a big walking around GI Joe, like a... no, no, just that he was no, supposed to be a military. Like a... Android. Oh, military. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, that's a. Oh, yeah, that's a good change. That's a good change. Yeah. Good note. Good note. Good change. Yeah. 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 Uh, the uh, Chris Rock cameo. Oh God, so uh, racist! How is that so racist? I don't like, know. It's so racist. <laughs> it seems like it shouldn't be, but it somehow is. It's so incredibly racist for some reason. The first uh, time I saw it, I was like, "Hi, yay!" This feels very racist. Uh, and this time, I was like, "Nope, nope." Still, <laughs> feels very racist. Um, um, it was supposed to. I guess they had. <laughs> when I looked it up. It said that Jerry Seinfeld was considered for that part. But then yeah. instead, I was like, that would have felt racist too somehow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like it just sticks out. It's like, we don't need yeah. that character. I will, I, I say, I mean, it's interesting. It's one of the first things we're talking about with the movie because I'm like, it does for me, I, I it, it is maybe the scene that keeps it from being a great great movie for me is i'm like there's so much of this good it's just like just that one chris moment rock? that chris, chris rock, rock mo- actually, that yeah. chris rock moment and other things in the flesh fair but that chris rock moment really bothers me the the neon uh, motorcycle chase section is i think uh-huh. to me was a, a low point the costumes there reminded me of uh the running man not a movie oh, that has God. a great no. uh aesthetic oh yeah it reminded me a little Good bit of dance, uh, though. It's a little yeah. bit you know, like Schumacher's Batman too. I felt oh like. God. Mm-hmm. Well, that's yeah, a reference yeah. everyone wants to hear. Yeah. <laughs> like, really? <laughs> that's what you thought? What you meant? Oh, sort of canted angles. Yes. And the, yeah. Yeah. There's some neon b- b- bikers in that movie too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think in that in that whole sequence, I was like, I've I felt like it's truly horrifying. They're melting people. Uh, and shooting them and blowing them up and then they're like well they don't really you know like like mecca they don't they don't care like they're they're not scared but then i'm like but 
then we have a guy who's on the run in the same scene that Gigolo Joe is uh, trying to escape punishment for something he didn't do. So I'm like, no, they do actually. What? So like that was logically incomplete. There were a lot of logical issues with that sequence. I was very confused about who the target audience of the crowd was. Oh, it was monster trucks. It was monster trucks. That was <laughs> well, but there. Yeah, I guess it's monster trucks. But also, like they turned really quickly with the kid thing. Yeah, that to, was very. That was very like the the Dark Knight where they don't blow up the boat. I'm and then like, the director okay. of the show, who yeah. just seemed to be a like 1990s television director, transplanted into this world. He just seems yes. like he should be doing Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Like that was so funny. He was like, "Okay, ready to go to wait." There's a child down there. Okay, bye. Oh Let man, there's a real bo- a real boy got stuck in the cage. We gotta figure. Oh, but boy. so like TV dad, both of the yeah. dads in this Martin, who has less of a personality than the guy in 2001. Like, oh, the, the first dad in the first part. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, Martin. Yeah. No, no character. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then I guess at the beginning of it, there's an interesting element. Like, and so we talk about parent stuff on here, but there's an interesting element that. He brings her a child because her child is is like cryogenically frozen or something because he's so ill. Mm-hmm. Well, it's because he's such a dick, actually. But um, <laughs> the freezes boy making less of a prick. <laughs> yeah, they're like, oh, well, shoot, we don't have work. a cure for it, which is just from being a dick. <laughs> like we hope there's technology later from being a dick. Uh, and th- but then he's like. Oh, well, I can't get my wife to feel better. So I'll give her another kid. And then just so he tells her, like, just so you understand, like, you can you can imprint on him and he will love you forever. But be careful when you do that. And I remembered this as being something that they did together. But no, mm-hmm. it's he's just a guy. And then he loves his mother. And I was like, that's a very... In a certain way, that's a very traditional idea of parent-child dynamics. That it's like you have a dad and you love your mother. <laughs> yes, I, I do like that. Uh, rightly so, David does not give a shit about that guy. No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> he doesn't. He could give like, a. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, he died two thousand years ago. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Obsessed with his mother. Oh, we've yeah. got hair from your your dad. We can bring him back. You know, I'm good. That's I'm okay. actually good. That's you all could, right. No, no, Who? it's fine. What guy? Martin. Uh, it's not ringing the bells. Oh, yeah. I'm he still thinking cool about too. that that uh, guy that shot out of a cannon that felt racist. That's that I remember. Uh, the flesh fair, that was cool. Yeah. Oh, the TV director uh, that saved me? I no, remember. No, him. Different guy. Different guy. Who is the. Oh, it's different not 90s ringing. Guy. Yeah. Same hair. Oh, <laughs> nope. Still nothing. Yeah. That. But but the the level, as I started out saying, the level of. From the very beginning, she's like she's reading uh, Freud's women in the bathroom and he walks in and she's like, get out of here and covers herself even more and is like, oh, I'll leave you two in there to change and get ready for bed. Like, boys, like she's so it's like there's a weird element in this movie that I had forgotten or maybe I didn't notice, but that's like like she's afraid of this robot boy but because he's a boy like she's never had a boy in her house before mm-hmm. 
or because she doesn't perceive him as a child, maybe. This, I, do you think it's like, it's, I, it's, are you saying that this is perhaps a horror movie in a way about what it's like to have a son? I think it's about what it's like to have a second child you don't like, maybe. Mm. <laughs> Being like, oh, crap. But then when you meet the first son, it's like, oh, no, you're just bad at children. <laughs> I don't know. But I thought I think that that part of it is very odd that she's, you know, as a mother of a five year old, it's like you're completely permeable at all times. And you can make a decision about how comfortable you are with door open or changing in front of your kids or whatever. But there isn't an expectation that they're going to know that and mm -hmm. and how uncomfortable she is immediately is like oh i don't think you're perceiving this this as a child you're perceiving this as a as an adult or something well she's perceiving it as a robot i think that's the whole point of that of that yeah but of why would she be afraid of, of a robot seeing her in the bathroom they don't even pee they don't have sexual feelings what is her problem? I mean, it's just it really I mean, stuck I think out. Th I think that there is in that scene and in other parts of it, there is some weird like um, Oedipal sexual subtext. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. You know, that scene, that's the first stalker scene is when he closed the door is closed and the dad is changing him and his eyes you see through the like glass door mm -hmm. as he was like following the mother at the same time when the father is undressing him behind a closed door like that's already there's some layers there it's yeah. very strange yeah. it's just so pointed yeah that that's why it's so strange because it's pointed without then following up with something else it's like you're telling me something but you're telling me so many and you know it's a hat on a hat a little bit i guess it's like there there's this uh, this edible kind of stuff and then there's the Pinocchio stuff. And I'm like, wait, what happens? In Pin Pinocchio's a single man, though. So he doesn't, that's, mm -hmm. those are two, they're like, they don't really correspond in any mm -hmm. way. But I wanted it to. I was like, how is that paying off that he, she's weird about him? Well, I think, I, I, don't, I don't think it's that weird. I think that she is, there's a new robot entity, <laughs> Mission Impossible. Does this, this happen to you? Does this happen to you? In, in, in you her get home it? and she's uncomfortable <laughs> with it and, he, and, 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 and the robot's super into her and obviously uh -huh. can like feel some love and she's incapable of giving that love back because she's not, because it's it's not, some, it's not she something only that she likes believes that she can love. It's not a, she only likes jerks. She only she, likes jerk children. She only likes her, her husband. Yeah. And, and her, and her, and her prick son. No, but yeah. I mean, I, I agree that there's like also there's some layered Oedipal stuff and some and some weird some Spielbergerian stuff, and it's very cleverly calls back. Like there's a scene where they there's like a sort of just dinner time scene, you know, uh, where the kid like uh, starts laughing uncontrollably. Haley Joel Osment, you know, laughing mm -hmm. uncontrollably or whatever. And I'm like, oh, this is like one of the this is like Jaws or like Close Encounters, like the classic. Uh, Spielberg dinner time scene mm -hmm. where there's a there's a sci-fi threat coming from without mm -hmm. except now it's it's within it's like at the yes. imagine if now we're at the dinner table and the thing with it, Jaws it, with Jaws <laughs> is that your you know he, I mean yeah there is that that feeling of like like we think he's he's great but then he actually does keep doing things that are sort of terrifying <laughs> like when the sun does come home uh, another jerk kid that the jerk kid's friends with like says, oh, well, you know, he has a threat response because that's mm -hmm. what Mecca have. Mm -hmm. And I mean, obviously a racist kid, 
This is definitely the racist kid. And he goes to stab him. And then David's reaction is to clutch Henry and and walk backwards until they're in the pool and then doesn't let go. And it's like, fair. You know what? I would get rid of that kid too. If you tried to drown my child. Yeah. Because because it's like having a dog that bites or something. Like, eh. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. You know, in Minority Report, Tom Cruise loses his kid at a pool. Mm-hmm. That's a two. That's a two pool. I wonder if there's does Fablemans have a traumatic pool thing in it? Does it something bad happened to Spielberg at a pool? I think uh, it because seems like it. it. Yeah. Wait, no, yeah. ditch day is lots of ditch water. Day, yeah, that ditch day. That's another thing. Um, we oh, kind of have it like uh, th- th- in case you haven't seen this movie, which I don't know if this even makes sense if you haven't. But like the whole thing is that like William Hurt has is based in the beginning is like I want to make a robot that can love. I want to make an mm-hmm. artificial intelligence that can love. And, right. Um, yes. Uh, and we, of and course, so, later find out William Hurt lost his son, who is identical to David. Exactly. You know, yeah. very. Unne- I, I found that kind of not that satisfying or necessary. That element of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I didn't think that was. It's like that, everyone yeah. has a child that they're missing. Like, what is this no. world? I have a kind yeah. of a logic question. I think the real answer is that the beginning of the movie is a reshoot. But uh, so after that opening scene where he's giving this lecture in his office to all those people. Uh, am I to believe they then all get into um, helicopters and leave the flooded New York City where that office is? Yeah. <laughs> because that's yeah. the same room later in the movie where he sees all the David dolls. That's the exact same room. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's definitely a problem. Are you sure? That, are you sure that there's not? There, I know years pass, though, because they have to develop the whole David technology, but, yeah, not, but not enough but to make the. It doesn't seem like city. enough that New York uh, is now completely underwater and destroyed from a perfectly normal place you just wow. go and visit and have an office. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. They had to get in those, um, what do they call them? Uh, Amphibopods or amphibocopters. Yeah, amphibocopters, which he says at the very end of the movie in a very uh, touching I love you, mommy. And then he says nonsense stuff. And I was like, oh, no, that that had to have been a way where you could avoid saying that where it's like, I will always love you for the rest of my life in the hoptocopter. (laughs) (laughs) What? What What did you say? (laughs) Something I was confused about. Is there a reason that that ship that they... Uh, kidnap all the robots with looks like a moon uh no i think because it feels like a fairy tale i think it i think it's referencing fairy tales it's like it's something that a monster in a fairy tale would do which i think is why it's in the truman show too it's just kind of like oh Mm -hmm. what's like the man in the moon the man in the moon idea Mm -hmm. or even what's it journey to junior to the moon the, like the first movie yeah uh i think that's what it is because it actually looks like that moon um that uh gets gets a rocket to the eye i think, I think that, those yeah, i think are it's cool. that yeah i thought they looked cool it's very different aesthetic i guess is is maybe what you're what you're asking is like well if we have these like smooth kind of like futury helicopters but then we also have like hot air balloons that look like moons. That's a very confusing. Yeah, they seemed kind of. I, I wasn't sure if I was supposed to think that it's somehow like the robots thought it was the moon because they're robots and they were bad at that kind of thing. I don't know. Mm, yeah. yeah. 
I think yeah, yeah it seems to it's yeah it's like because the movie is sort of half sci-fi half fairy tale mm-hmm. fable fable man uh that, that's that's that, that's but no the ditch day in this movie right yes, but, yeah, no that's, ditch but, day. <laughs> but that's more the that's more the um the the fairy tale pinocchio referenced blatantly mm-hmm. a gazillion times in the movie yes uh, because uh, in pinocchio yeah. it's like he goes and he, he he joins the circus and he has this he has <clears> this <throat> sort of like horrifying experience yes. of being turned into a donkey and i think yeah. that's that's like definitely a pinocchio part um yes yeah that's definitely a with pinocchio. the tv director remember with in the pinocchio? tv director from <laughs> pinocchio <laughs> yes Camera yeah. one, camera two. We get the cigar. Yeah, Pinocchio's the best part of Pinocchio. At the Disneyland ride, that was my favorite part when he comes out. But yeah, I think there's a that part of it feels a little bit sort of uh, morally truncated. Like mm-hmm. they're 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 putting you in this situation where it's like, oh yeah, we we murder Mecca for our own enjoyment, mm-hmm. and they maybe perceive it, they maybe don't, and especially like the nanny robot being melted with acid and smiling at him. Mm-hmm. Honestly, at the point I am in my life, I was like, I remember this is acid. And I was just like, la, la, la. I'm going to look at something else. Because I just, I don't want to, I just don't want, I don't know. Thank you. Like, just no thank you. Too horrifying. Yeah, it is. It's a weird scene. I don't think that the flesh fair is exactly successful as as an execution of a a scene. I, I, Um, just to interrupt you, uh, I was shocked that it, because I didn't remember this part when she says like and be watch out for flesh fairs. Yeah, and right. then he gets there and it has a sign that just says flesh fair. <laughs> like to me, it was like the circus. Like right. it seemed a little bit like uh, they so they just literally call it that. That's not like yeah. a nickname. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, and it doesn't even have. It's not even like uh, like a uh, you know P.T. Barnum's flesh fair or whatever, no. or like some kind of. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, like it's not branded. It's yeah, just it's, a generic flesh fair. Well, you, you, there's got to be competing competing flesh fairs Are in this there? world. Is there like a guy with the sun and a the like Saturn or something? I'm sure Are they Vince different McMahon, planets? Whoever the Vince McMahon is in the in this world has a version, and whoever the you know uh, so they all got different flesh fairs. <laughs> They're but like hurry, hurry, hurry. That's a, when, if you're yeah. you know a better version of this is have you ever seen the Animatrix? Yes. The Animatrix opens with an, an incredibly horrifying rendition of AI of, of of basically of humans turning on artificial intelligence and like and like uh, killing. This is an animated uh, uh, mm, film. Mm-hmm. Um, but, Based uh, on the Matrix. Based on the Matrix, it's sort of like the backstory to the Matrix, or at least the beginning uh, of it is. Maybe I did see this at some point. And uh, and I was like wa- rewatching it. I was like, oh, I, where have I seen this again recently? And I was like, oh, the Animatrix has this in it, which uh, this is kind of like a both both of these stories take place at kind of this crux of like AI has been has, it's far enough into our lives where it's being used and kind of starting to overrun humanity, but humanity, so humanity has turned on it and is like, fuck AI. We're going to, we're going to like, we're going to genocide AI basically, or we're going to, or we're mm-hmm. going to, we're going to, it's going to become, we're going to take sadistic pleasure and sort of, mm-hmm. um, and sort of ruining it. But, but if, if you want a better rendition of the flesh fair thing, look, check out animatrix because I think flesh fair, the Chris rock thing ministries, they're doing a song. I just, did, I, it just doesn't. Yeah. Why is that music always an indication that something bad's going to happen? It was like when you hear like, duh, duh, it's like, Oh great. Something's going to get ripped apart. What is it? Yeah. Yeah. 
You know what I like though is she she abandons him in the woods rather than have the mom Monica abandons him in the woods before he gets to the flesh mm-hmm. fair. Before doesn't Adrian Grenier pick him up? Yes, Isn't it Entourage yes, picks him it's up both and takes Vinny him. Chase and Ted's <laughs> yeah. first uh, film yeah. appearance. <laughs> Yeah, I think he's with but his he, entourage. It's like he three is. Guys. He's he with his entourage. Yeah, yeah. One of whom who looks like the guy from Bill and Ted, and then there's another guy. He's uh, like the, he, on on the, on the on Pluto TV where I watch it. By the way, you can see this on Criterion Channel or Pluto TV right now. It's uh-huh. the the still is the shot is the is a shot of him. You would think it was like an Adrian Grenier like like <laughs> movie. <laughs> Really? On Pluto, they're like, I don't know. Uh, so we got to get here. that shot with uh, Adrian Grenier in it. <laughs> I guess that's fair. It's like, oh, Put it's some butts and seats for, for AI. Yeah. Before, before he gets picked hitch, hitchhiking by Adrian Grenier, his mom bans him in the woods because the only other option is to have him taken back and destroyed. Uh, that, she, that she's like, well, I can't do that, but I also don't want him. And as she's running away, she says, I'm sorry I didn't teach you about the world. And I was like, oof. Mm. That's a good line, actually. That's that a is a good line. line. It's mm. a good mom line because I think there is a there's the, the, the parts of this movie that that felt uh, the best, I think, creatively were the ones that had the most to do with actual people feelings. And that's something that I think as as people going through the world and as as adults in relationships with parents and as parents in relationships with small children or something, that that question of how much do you actually say? Do you tell them about the flesh fair when they're five? Do you mm. tell them when they're 15? Like, when do you warn them about whatever the thing is that they need to be warned about? And this is a lady who's like, I can't deal with it. So I'm just running away. Like she's sending her kid to boarding school. It actually made me think of um, Mommy Dearest. <laughs> There's that part where she's she like, kind of I can't deal with them. this. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. good luck with your life. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. You a little know. bit. A little bit. Yeah. But then, her, but then it's again, it's like somebody who's obsessed for them forever because they're like, I didn't get what I needed from you. You mm. wouldn't tell me you love me. So now my entire existence is going to be about getting you to tell me you love me. And I'm like, huh, that feels relevant to humans. Yeah, it really does. It's a machine programmed to seek love from its mother, but it's also like set up in the exact scenario that a human being would forever be, right. with, would tirelessly seek love from its mother. Uh, yeah, also we are kind of oriented that way to be like, mommy, 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 mommy. Yeah, like, real. Yeah, he escapes. He, he meets up with Gigolo Joe. Gigolo Joe. What do you know? What do you know? Trained on Fred Astaire movies. Yeah, much like how David, a different David. Yeah, in different pr- David in, in, in Prometheus. Prometheus is yeah, trained mm-hmm. on uh, Lawrence of Arabia. <laughs> right. Uh, this is do you a, think a, that they know each other? I bet that they date. I bet that they have some sort of they, relationship. They, yeah, they I would love out. to see that. I would love to see that oh, because wow, there's a, a good, description a of their of a crossover. Their, yeah, because he's yeah. talking about like I can do things to women that aren't possible for human men, and I was like, "What does it mean?" <laughs> there had to be a drawing of this, whatever this thing is. That Kubrick was like, "Okay, it's like this." So it has a part that goes like this, and a part that goes yeah. like he you know he drew that picture or he had someone draw it. Oh, of what Rouge that City? looks like. Anything can yeah. happen in Rouge City. 
<laughs> I want to see what that looks um, like. He's yeah. a he's a classic movie gigolo that whose clientele is only women and who are only, very attractive. And very, yes. Yeah, but, but pretty much yeah. very attractive women. That's yes. his clientele. That's cool. all gigolos <laughs> because gigolos are not real. They are not real, and so they are the same as the blue fairy. We're always looking for them. We never find them. I like this Jude Law performance. I think it's a, I think he's good in the movie. Yeah, he's um, fine. He's fine. Yeah. In my memory, he was a bigger part of the movie. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like he he's he's really like you know he comes in in that middle part and he's he's there to the end. But it, he like in my mind he's like in after ten minutes in my memory yeah. of the movie. Yeah, like you're cutting away to Gigolo Joe. Oh for yeah, a bunch in my memory of it. He comes in about forty five minutes into the movie. I mean, it's like pretty. It's a pretty big. Well, chunk. it's when the Pinocchio part starts. He is in it yeah when the movie becomes blatant like there's yeah. sort of like two distinct movies where it's like oh it's, yes it's all yeah. this sort of like what would it be like if you had a robot child and it's like clunk okay now we're in another yes. movie where it's Pinocchio. <laughs> yeah, it's much more colorful and yeah <laughs> yeah that's like that's scarier and more confusing and it's sort of like uh, i mean has a relationship i think to like okay now you're out on your own and what are you gonna do who are you gonna hang out with um but gigolo joe in this movie he's there's a, there's an earlier scene where someone says to him like, oh, of course, of like they would never make kids because what would they be for? And my brain is just like, I don't want to talk about this. Like, you know that there would be children in this he, world. Gigolo Joe <laughs> mentions that there are other robots, uh, David's age that are women yeah. uh, that do his job. Yeah. What? There's a line about that. Yeah. Oh god, I, I missed that. Ugh, yeah. Okay. I mean, yep. but but like yeah. that that part of it after the movie ended, I was like, oh my god, there are real dolls, okay, and then there will be AI relationships where people can't find anyone to date, so mm-hmm. incels will just buy someone. Oh my god, and then they'll be able to, and then they'll have to like keep people from making and buying okay never mind never mind never this mind. is why we can't scan extras people that's right, right. especially is... not child extras oh my god um yeah so i was i went on a little little horror tangent on because i mean i watched a documentary about real dolls and it is so compelling and terrifying and weird and i'm like you just add a little robotics and a little a little bit of Mm-hmm. chat to them and that's it that's a relationship well yeah that's... not not to kink shame i don't want to kink shame anyone anyway but it's not kink shaming it's actually creating a world in which you make a race of completely docile mm-hmm. sex objects mm-hmm. <laughs> not to shame that so, kink so, sounds like shaming to me <laughs> <laughs> i just feel like that might affect culture if it was like oh yeah actually we you can have a woman you keep in a dungeon and it's okay you're allowed. You um, won't go to jail. They, they, when they, when they go. Is this he, a bad tangent? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a necessary tangent. I mean, it's a, it's just no comment. It's like, yes, uh, you're right. You're right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's nothing else. Oh, that's funny. Well, do, you want, do you want, do you want debate on this subject? <laughs> but I think, that, I think, I think Kubrick would have found that fascinating. I think had he been alive longer, kind of like, like the way Hitchcock got, he was like, all right, here we go. We're going to be really sexually weird. Oh, Hitchcock like, would have been he would have gone yeah. totally yeah. off the rails bonkers. And I think both of those guys would have loved sort of like the freewheeling possibilities 
the horror possibilities yeah. and the positive possibilities of well, well one thing i'll say is that i do think that that kubrick's that that kubrick uh at the, the, the very beginning of this movie they said when william hurt says i want to roll i want to make a robot that can love or something and somebody says we we have we already have one of the best love bots we ship thousands of love bots every year or whatever yeah. and, they, and they're like yeah you test them all out and he's like yeah quality control or whatever and so it's, it's implied <laughs> that sex robots are very very common i think that yeah that's one element that you you can see Kubrick making a, perhaps a better colder version of this story. Mm-hmm. Spielberg is he's not just a an autofocus. Uh, yeah, an because VCRs became so prevalent because of people wanting to watch porn. Yeah, yes. Bots would do. Yeah. yeah. Spielberg is 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 not he's not too warm of a director. He's just slightly too sexless sexless of a director to take that on. I I think in the into its full to the full extent probably that you know a Cronenberg let's say would have oh, done or, or 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 you know uh, there's a, you can one the, the mind can reel thinking of different kinds of uh, <laughs> the things that might have uh, might have happened and um, you know with a different director at the helm. But but I mean I think it's it's heavily implied that people have been using robots for sex in this. In in, in this the, the Rouge the whole Rouge City thing is I think is that it's yeah, like yeah. Okay, come to yeah, Rouge City fuck a robot. Yeah. But they're still they're still making it sort of like this is a subcategory of of robots. This is like a special area, the red light district, where that, I mean that's still a take on it that's like, oh, this is a little bit exceptional. Mm-hmm. Which is I don't know. It was kind of like this world is interesting because you don't really get a full sense of it. It's it's very episodic. It's it's like it, there's a lot of water and then there are these places, but I don't really know. Any, there's yeah. yeah an interesting dreamlike quality to the movie where the pieces of the world don't actually feel like they fit together particularly yeah. well. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think that's necessarily a problem. But no, I, I don't I, have a problem with that. <laughs> I just think it's interesting that it, it feels very dark, like you're seeing like little vignettes. Inside. Geographically, too, in this movie, it feels like you just move between places that seem like they should not be very close. And you're just between them very quickly. And like David's mm-hmm. let off in the woods by this lady's house and Gigolo Joe's kind of just that's where he was. And then also mm-hmm. that's where the flesh fair people kind of yeah. ended mm-hmm. up like there's just sort of one set of woods. In this yeah. entire world, <laughs> they're just in the wood suburbs. Yeah, and yeah. it's a pretty quick trip to Manhattan. Uh, yes, yes but that's true. The of end all of the earth is that. quite quick to get <laughs> to. It's, I mean, it's William Hurt's regular commute. Yeah, he's just—he's <laughs> always office is just water there. Office, yeah. <laughs> he's just water world. It's water I world. I kind of thought with that chair spun around, it'd be Lorne Michaels because they were kind of up in Thirty Rock. At- <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I thought it was just. Gonna I was be a sad they didn't visit uh, the fabulous <laughs> Studio Eight H. I know they should have been up there, and you know because uh, the little known fact: the uh, uh, please don't uh, destroy. Uh, uh, they're all AI. They're all, uh, <laughs> oh my yes. god, yeah. that makes so much sense. Yes, yeah. yes, it's very sad. Higgins' real son died. Um, yeah, uh, wow. years ago, and people wow. don't know this. Higgins' son died, and he got an AI. Well, he got a replace. bunch. He got all of them. He got yeah, extras. He, yeah. Just yeah. his backup. Um, when they get to <laughs> I, that the... would be so smart, though, if you had, if you had like, <laughs> someone whose whole thing was being young and you just <laughs> made a robot. <laughs> like a picture of Dorian Gray, portrait of Dorian Gray, but mm-hmm. you just took the real one out. And you're like, you go get old on an island. <laughs> we'll give you a billion dollars. And then we'll just have your, your bot do the rest. Hmm. I feel like someone should write that screenplay. Yeah, let me but don't write just... it right now. We're on strike. <laughs> okay, I won't uh, write anything. The, uh... the yeah, that's why I won't write it because 
that, not laziness. <laughs> uh, when they get to Rouge City, they they encounter uh, right in the middle of Rouge City. There's a there's a thing called Doc. They visit Doctor No. Mm-hmm. Um, this is voiced by Robin Williams again something where I was like oh, again another part where the movie and I love Robin Williams but I mean it ages the movie in a very particular kind of what's crazy is it's not the like bad CG effect of Dr. No that ages no. it it's yeah. the performance it's the performance yeah. it's the performance yeah. and I hate to speak ill of this of, of any Robin Williams thing but I'm like it's the performance it's one of these things that I'm like ugh this uh this performance well the actual functionality of dr no to me is it's kind of like chat gtp yes i it's Uh very chat gtp also in that it like doesn't seem to work great too which is a kind of a part of chat gpt (laughs) yeah it just sort of misunderstands you you get charged anyway uh (laughs) similar to chat gpt Mm mm-hmm yep it turns out there's someone else pulling the strings to have it tell you what they want you to think the truth is. That's another chat GPT <laughs> another thing. Chat yeah. GPT. Well, it's very Wizard of Oz, but then it's like, oh, if you're going to reference the Wizard of Oz, you have to have him take it down like 50 notches because that's not like, you know, like it is kind of it. Ultimately, it does end up being sort of like a Wizard of Oz thing, like in addition to being Pinocchio is that he's like he wants to go home going home is a big thing and then there's this character who's not a real character who's only there in case david somehow comes there and then he'll get an address to go to that part is like logically confusing yeah, but... there's one like throwaway line of like and we even lost you there for a minute that's sort of somehow supposed to cover how completely nonsensical that part of it all is yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. then he does he does find him and he's like yeah you're very special but in a, in another psycho stalker moment, David murders another David immediately upon great, meeting him. Great, maybe the best moment in the movie. I thought I loved yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, because I was like, oh, this this David is dangerous. Like yes. he's told us a number of times he's dangerous, and then you're like, but look at his sad eyes, and I'm like, right, but he's he's dangerous. <laughs> he is. After murdering uh, that David, he he becomes convinced that he can find the blue fairy. He's been looking for the blue fairy the whole time because mm-hmm. he read about it in the fucking Pinocchio or whatever. Well, it's because the one story that his mom bothered to read him. Yeah. The one time his mom showed him any love and affection, uh, he he latched on Pinocchio. In that shell bed, which is pretty cool, actually. The little cocoon bed that she puts him in. Oh, yeah. I like that. That's a cool uh, yeah, bed. That's nice. Um they go and and basically like the 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 first ending of the movie is like going to the bottom of the sea uh mm-hmm. where where uh, he prays to uh, like an amusement park uh blue fairy well it's coney island coney island, all yeah. coney island is all underwater and so, so yeah well two other quick observations there oh, one yeah. when he jumps from 30 rock that is some, some 911 imagery yeah. if i've oh, ever seen yeah. any yeah. it looks yeah. just it's it was like i yeah i found it unintentionally shocking hundred percent yes and then this is another geography thing like he's from he, they get from 30 rock to coney island like that oh right <laughs> yeah yeah but you see movies all the time where they're like let's go to venice and it takes them like five minutes from yeah. hollywood but that's another like, nitpicky inconsistency thing is just how underwater uh, new york is is all over the place with the like 
the How height of the buildings. Yes. It's partially underwater here. Very but inconsistent. Part of make. the Statue of Liberty hand is up, but then like skyscrapers are fully submerged. It's, it's yeah. Yeah. It's, so all yeah. of the Twin Tower, half the Twin Towers are out of the water, but then other buildings that are way less than half are also out of the water. Yeah. yeah. That's, I mean, there's a lot of water. I get it. You got to yeah. put the recognizable ones. Kubrick wouldn't have let that fly. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Hard sci-fi. He would be like, nope, we have to do that. Another take of that. Yeah. Let's it's get these weird. buildings all let's... the right, uh, the right length. But then he gets trapped down there and he just keeps asking the blue fairy to make him a real boy until he continues staring, but does not move. And then honestly, some really janky aliens come. Like, those yeah. aliens are so bad. Why are they so badly done? <laughs> I do like, I do think the design is is kind of kind of bad. They're not aliens, though. Yes, they're, yeah, they're, they're uh, highly advanced robots. Yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah. They're AI, but they are drawn, they're, well, created so much to look like a, a very mm. cheesy alien thing. Yes, and yeah. so... Their yeah. shape is repeated two other times in the movie. Uh, one, it's similar to the shape of the logo for William Hurt's mm -hmm. company that he sees when he's first born. Mm -hmm. And then it's also similar to when you first meet David and he's kind of like out of focus yes. in that way that out of focus things make you look like you have like a spoon shaped <sighs> yes. body. Yes, yes. Those are both. Uh, kind of inexplicable references to the way the alien looks because I, I don't like <laughs> yeah. I don't really quite get the like what what that's saying uh, exactly mm -hmm. but it they are visual matches that seem intentional yeah 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 that is oh well maybe that's something maybe that's the motif it's a weird design because it does look more like an alien than yeah. an ai but we are in the in the reality of the movie this is we've we've we're, we've gone from a carbon-based world to a silicon-based world and these are yeah. these are aliens we're two thousand years in the future everything's frozen over and these aliens have are coming to excavate yes, Th they're, they're excavating uh, ice new york uh, right and they're, these they're going into william hurt's office but with uh you know, uh, uh, ice melting tool. Yes, and again, whatever. not to get right. too like uh, nitpicky, <laughs> but everything's frozen, and then also somehow there got to be way more water because everything's frozen and it's very high, much mm. higher than where we were when the global warming <laughs> made things melt. That's true. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just, I, somewhere some water came in, I guess. Uh, extra yeah. water. We got extra water at some point in that 2000 years. They could maybe cover that in a spinoff, like an animatrix of sorts. Yeah, they need You an know animatrix. what I was just, I just went to the Griffith Observatory and watched them, the, this guy make an example of a uh, comet. And he was like, just tossed off as an aside. He was like, yeah, you know, when the earth was cooling and becoming a planet that's habitable, you know, a lot of the, the water, the water that came onto this planet is from comets. Well, there like, you go. More huh? comets, maybe that's more comets. Yeah. That's what it was. Mm, Fair enough. Was it. Lots of comets. Wait, uh, comets yeah. brought water. Yeah, where else would it come from? All right. Yeah. Water yeah. and comets. Okay. Yeah, there's what because they're <clears> just like frozen, frozen blobs with uh, carbon and uh, ammonia, sand, and um, uh, he made it out of dry ice. But he's like, that's what a comet's made out of. Just a little mm. version of that. 
So anyway, little radio lab, we're turning into radio lab here. Yeah, no, but I mean, um, I think it's like, mm, hey, I, I, mm. I like it when you can make up things that the person did not bother to make up. That's how I'm um, that. what do we think of this? Yeah. I, I won't go through every detail of this ending. What do we think of this ending? I'm talking about the last 20. I'm talking about every the, basically the the epilogue, as it were, of Meryl the, Streep of the of, of Meryl Streep of the of the last day with the mother. Um, so I, I, a couple of que- one question: Who is the narrator of this movie? It's Ben Kingsley's narrating the movie, but he's also doing the voice of one of the aliens. So we're assume I think I it's, think it's he's one of the it's the, one alien, of the aliens. So he's story, one of the yeah. aliens. That's why yeah. I wasn't a hundred percent sure if he was both of those. Well, he's um, an alien who wrote a fairy tale. So is maybe this isn't even true. It's just a oh, fairy tale for aliens. I mean, for AI, advanced yes. AI. Mm-hmm. The kind of story they and tell each other. because they're like, oh, we're going to, instead of telling like the, the stories about fairies and magical creatures, we're going to tell you a story about a magical creature, which is people or dinosaurs or something like the way, you know, you'd make Jurassic mm-hmm. Park and be like, oh, we're going to tell this story. So this whole movie is probably a, a bedtime story for an AI kid hmm okay that's that that could be interesting that's that's uh, the way that i saw it was that he's like i'm an alien and i'm telling you the story you know of of, of okay. basically the 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 link between humans and ai and here he is he's the last one he was this is the last ai that was ever alive when humans were alive you know mm-hmm. uh, i yeah. like that that was something they thought was cool about him I thought that was yeah. kind of fun. They were like, yeah. you're really close to oh, a person you like met people. <laughs> yeah. What were they like? You know, I don't know. I yeah. just liked my mom. And he was like, this one kid was an asshole. <laughs> Let me tell you yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah. This fucking kid, he would, he, would, he would never leave me alone. We had to eat spinach. He would try to short circuit me by making me eat spinach real fast. So rude. What a dick. Um, He's like, I won't tell them about him because then they'll to probably stop digging around looking for people to bring back for one day so i liked the ending and i want to know if you guys think that his mother is the real blue fairy he was searching for all along and his love for her is what actually truly does make him a real boy yes yeah i think so right i think so yeah i I think that's kind of i can't think of another way to read it (laughs) actually then then uh, you know it's like he by by being loved he becomes real uh, like the um what's that book the uh, velveteen rabbit you know mm-hmm. like we're loved and our fur rubs off and then we become real and we and here's off. my follow-up question that bullshit about how you can only bring back someone for one day is that the dumbest shit you've ever heard in your entire <laughs> life in any movie <laughs> I think it's dumb. Yeah. It's dumb and it's a device, but it's also well. It's I, because they it's remember necessary. from yeah. from space time that they are dead, but only after a day. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's because of something that's not very well explained. At least not very well explained in the several times I've seen the movie. Where it's yeah, it's like it's, there's a space time connection, and you you we, we we attempted to resurrect people, and every time we try to resurrect people, they only stay awake for one day, and it doesn't really yeah. make sense. But, but then why is it a day? Like you're measuring it in Earth time. I, it Even, actually well, yeah. so it was her when she when you fall asleep. I believe is what. Yeah. 
yeah. they, they said, which also when she's first waking up and he's like, I'm going to make you some coffee. And she's like, oh, good. I could use some. I wanted him to be like, don't fall asleep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the first thing <laughs> it's, I like, thought- it's like crank. Like, you gotta keep- All right. Yeah. We're keeping you alive. Mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like yeah. Ryan well, motioned it- the crank running uh, on the Zoom. It was very good. Yes. Isn't that Jason Statham where he's like trying not to mm-hmm. die? Yeah, got to keep his adrenaline up. But then he uh, falls from an airplane onto a car, up. right? Yeah, yeah. He's always damning. And there are like things. four sequels and he's fine. Yeah. I don't remember. Crank good. I don't know. Um, I like Jason Statham. He should have been in this movie. He would have been a great robot. But the the weirdest part of that end part of it, which made me cry a whole bunch because I cry about everything. But I cry too. I cry too. I, so I think much. This, I think this movie's emotional at the end. So much crying because yeah. it's about like, you know, like fucking sucks to be like a robot who gets to watch everybody else die you know yeah. like like that awfulness and that the, the 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 delicate nature of human life really sucks when you're like oh no everyone i love is temporary and fragile i don't like that it would be much better if i had a robot child because i would be like he fell in the pool for a few days. Sure. <laughs> like, who cares? I did not cry, though I will say I did, uh, for similar reasons, recently cry uh, watching A Man Called Otto for the second time on an airplane. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, does yep. that, yep. For similar thematic reasons? Yes, for oh, similar okay. thematic okay. reasons okay. about mm-hmm. loss and grief and (laughs) yeah i mean it's good it's a it's effective stuff i do think even with the crying that sequence is too romantic oh no (laughs) (laughs) we're back to the oedipal i mean it is it is like like, would you like coffee and she's like "Mm." yeah it is like a date my date you know gigolo joe the last thing he told me was that he had a special (laughs) trick he wanted me to use on women One of the last <laughs> things I learned before being frozen, which is so that's yesterday to me. Yeah. You know, yeah. just I, exactly. She's like, I feel funny. Is this a normal thing for us to be doing? I feel yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's totally, yeah. totally normal. Yeah, yeah. Robot sons and yeah, they do this all the yeah. time. So I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a robot. Yeah, I'm just robot. power charging yeah. off your. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, um, it is sad. I think. I think the last line is good. I think. I. I think. I. I always thought it was an emotional movie. I still. I still think it is. But uh, it's. Uh, I think Haley Joel does a really good job. Oh I think Haley God, Joel yeah. does an. I think he does an excellent job. I think. I think Haley Joel is great in this. You. You were saying that, that. That you felt that there were there were themes in this, or maybe we've covered them, but but themes that you think are like relevant to the current the current AI situation. What are, What are those? Well, it's more of a meta theme. Um, so I'm not sure if you're aware that uh, AI can um, make a move, an image that looks like a Wes Anderson film. Oh, uh, I am I'm not aware. sure if you're Are familiar you, with I'm this trend. Are yep. you, well, this is you're, wait wait a minute. So you're saying you can you can AI can do a Wes Anderson like image. This it, is it could take. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could make. What if the Lord of the Rings? Uh, mm-hmm. starred Bill Murray and was by Wes Anderson. It can oh make God. a really garbage image that barely looks like that. Oh, yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> this is we're through the looking glass. Yes. People. This is really. You know the other one that I've seen a lot is what if they had continued to date and it's celebrity <laughs> couples <laughs> from the funny. past and all, like five children that they have. 
But so what I'm getting at here by bringing this up is these AI image systems kind of take in a body of work from uh, from one person and then uh, another person can sort of try to simulate a new work by that person. And that kind of reminded me of the origin process of this film mm, where yes. it's kind of Spielberg doing a, a Kubrick movie, but also it originally was Kubrick trying to make a Spielbergy kind of a thing mm -hmm. for a minute there. And so there is a weird, somewhat off-putting thing that works well for the movie where it does quite kind of feel like the director isn't entirely comfortable with the material mm. and is in, in, in a way that like, you know, this is a, Spielberg at this point is very comfortable with any material that he's doing. And he's a, obviously a very technically talented director, but you know, you just get a sense you're always in good hands with him when you're watching a movie. And there were moments where you do feel like, and I think that like we've talked about some of the moments in the middle with the, that sequence at the flesh fair mm, flesh where it fair. is, it is a little bit like you get a sense of like, he is, he does he know what he's even going for in this, some of these mm -hmm. moments. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think that that also like added to, for me, the like kind of unsettling nature of the film that I think is very good. But that way in which it does feel like someone else doing a, a, a kind of a muddled cover almost of another artist's work in certain sections mm -hmm. uh, yeah. did remind me of the modern AI issue. I thought That's about that, too, for the the there's one shot. There's a gorgeous shot where uh, Gigolo Joe comes in and he's he be, bends down into the light where this lady is murdered. Mm -hmm. And they're both framed beautifully and the lights shining on them. And I was like, this is a De Palma shot. Mm -hmm. And like Brian De Palma is sort of that like uh, a uh, he takes it all in and then he makes mm -hmm. these movies that are like. He's, mm, he's the okay. Hitchcock AI. He's the, <laughs> he's the Hitchcock, Hitchcock AI. AI. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good. Maybe uh, it would sound yeah. better if you said that instead of like a, a, like a not good. Uh, <laughs> you're just the AI of somebody else. <laughs> uh, that maybe, but maybe that's the reason. I mean, I never thought about that in relation to to, to Spielberg reprocessing Kubrick. But maybe that's the reason this is a fascinating movie to watch. I mean, when it came out, I remember thinking, "I must see this movie. If it, good, bad, and different, whatever it is, I must see it because I must see." Maybe it's like he has permission to do the impression or whatever but i have not actually thought about how how you know it's a little bit like how we talk about directors being fed into the marvel system mm -hmm. um and how you know you can take a director who's, who's a very distinct vision and uh, a sam raimi somebody like that and then you know they they have to make a, a marvel movie and they have to make it according to the specs of marvel and how is that much different than an a than an ai i mean it would uh, you know it sounds like the first kind of boundary we're going to see being crossed is will be something closer to that it's not you know chappie's going to show up on a set and direct a film it's like <laughs> which we'd love to see and we'd love, love for it to be chappy shit. too <laughs> it'd be so it'd be so sweet he'd make so many uh movies about dogs what is this little thing chappy this creature he's got a creature <laughs> that he's trying to protect Ch i hated that movie oh, oh in chappy yeah doesn't he <sighs> sorry Man, i don't I mean to really derail this uh, with uh, chappy well, is there a rat yeah there's like a 
animal that he's trying to protect. And the whole movie like a is just dog or something. being worried that sh- that someone's going to kill Chappie's little friend or something. Man, this is really the, this is not even know. the internet. Not even uh, uh, <laughs> the go internet's on. like du- not, not even my quick googling can. Don't you can mean District Nine? Answer. Are you kidding me? Don't even. You don't I think we. Ma- I think this is a Mandela effect. I think we. Uh, okay. I think we, I think we Mandela affected that. Uh, that uh, Chappie has a pet. Maybe he's the pet. Maybe that's what I was just worried about Chappie the whole time. Um, yeah. The part of the reason I I, I wanted I, I another reason why I thought that this would be a fun movie to talk about is because. Along with the theme of this show, it's such a, an, a, I think, an anxiety-inducing movie, and I, and I, and I, and I. Sometimes it's fun to torture you on this show. Uh, 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 let's t- hear your mama panic attack assessment of AI <laughs> artificial intelligence. Yeah, um, this one, uh, pretty rough, you guys. Um, uh, I, I did have to take a break to watch uh, Jack and Jill on Netflix. What? <laughs> This is a technique I have. Adam Sandler? I told you about this, yes. Oh, where, okay. Where I like the movie's too much, and so I just find something that has no association with any human feeling. Is it and good? I just watch I've never seen it. Jack and Jill? Yeah. It's where Adam Sandler plays himself I, I know, and I know his he plays, twin sister. Is it sister. any good? It's got it's got the um I, I think the Duncachino song yeah, in it. Yeah, people it's like that. It's got actually some legitimately funny add ideas for like what would be a horrible horror like what would be the most ridiculous but now it's like oh al pacino would totally do the dunkachino mm-hmm. i saw jack and jill in theaters uh with uh my pal evan susser uh uh-huh. we saw uh-huh. it in santa monica at the, the amc there at the uh uh third street promenade mm-hmm. uh during the middle of the day perfect and uh <laughs> i i think it's one of the better i think it's the best uh that and then Hubie Halloween uh, are the like the last two good Sandler movies. I think I, I in my opinion, really, Interesting. you you stand. I know this about you. You you stand Hubie Halloween like like for, yeah, oh, for yeah. you, that's that's, that's a, like that's, that's like a, a new Halloween, Halloween classic. Now. Like in your home, uh, that's a Halloween classic. That's yes, that's, that's a, uh, I think that's the best out? Sandler Netflix film that uh, came out in like. Twenty twenty, maybe. I didn't even know this movie existed. I'm, it's uh, yeah. it's a good Sandler movie. It references a lot of the uh, classic Sandler movies. It's kind of a, a uh, in that uh, universe of Sandler films. Your your the Water Sandler Boys, yeah. your uh, yeah. And what yeah. have you? Hubie's a great character. He's a, he's like a he's like he loves Halloween in the town, and yeah. Oh, and, uh, okay. Yeah. So like Halloween Town, but with Adam Sandler. I don't know. Yes. I don't know Halloween Town, but yeah. Halloween Town yeah. is a children's and movie. He's also he's just he's Canteen Boy from SNL. That's, yes. Ah. Yeah. Okay. It's okay. kind of like the it's kind of a like, thermos okay. instead of a canteen, but yeah. I suspect that's for legal reasons. I think Jack yeah. and Jill, I would say, is more it's more like a movie where he actually sort of plays a, a he plays more of a Jewish guy than he yes. usually yes. does. No, he's playing a version of himself, which is interesting. He's playing someone who's very successful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's uh, works sort of in entertainment. Yeah. Um, yeah. And is married to Katie Holmes, which is very weird. <laughs> but anyway, um, uh, you, you know, have you ever heard the the story? I, I guess I can tell this. It's a story of uh, 
when Pacino was working on Jack and Jill, I guess some of that were someone that worked on the movie uh, was, uh, I don't know, credit or uncredited was Robert Smigel and Smigel like had to like at some point was like calling Pacino with a lot of calls and stuff and notes and this and that. And there's a, someone that was working with Pacino at the time heard Pacino say, Smigel. I've worked with so many people that are that have driven me crazy, but Smigel! <laughs> Such a good name I to scream. I can't take Smigel anymore <laughs> if I have to hear from Smigel one more time. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. but yeah. So this is yeah. A stressful so that movie. was you're, you're, that you're, was. You're, you're, you're taking a break. You're watching Jack. That's and Jill. what. That's yeah. what I do. I'll just be like yeah. boop boop boop. What's something that isn't this? And just watch that for a mm-hmm. minute and be like, okay, it's okay. You know, like it's okay. This is not. You don't need to go into the feeling bummed. But uh, yeah, I would say that this movie. Uh, you know what I'd say? This is like an NC-17. This is really <gasps> horrifying wow. about, I mean, it deals with a lot mm. of child death, a lot mm. of trauma around child death, having really shitty kids, uh, <laughs> having like a child abandonment, child endangerment. And there's one scene at the very end, which I really was like, <gasps> like I sort of caught my breath and it has nothing to do with the story. It's that, just watching Haley Joel Osment this whole time and it's like this is a child this is actually a child who's carrying this movie who's on set every day for months and he gets out of the hoptocopter whatever nonsense thing it is and there's ice everywhere and that is real ice that is crunchy real ice and he puts his hand on it and he has to put his hand on it for a long time because he's a robot so he doesn't react and that moment, I was like, God, this is, oh, that is so sad. <laughs> like, I just felt sad for him, like, for as, a pers- as a person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, yeah. you you were expected to present that and you do it beautifully. But at what cost? Like, mm-hmm. you played, like, you played a little robot to this giant machine of a movie and, uh, at what you know? At what cost? I don't know, but that kind of broke my heart to see him have to hold his little hand on there. Yeah, yeah, I did. You know, I kind of related that back to the th- overall theme of the movie in a way because it's like it's it's about a tireless machine whose thing is to please. You know, right? Which is and, what is a child actor? Yeah, is, in is, the Jeopardy you know, is like what is yeah. a child actor? Is and like, yeah. Josman, by the way, like he's he seems like a he seems like a, a relatively well adjusted adult. I met him. He seems like a nice guy, um, and a very and a very talented actor. And 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 as a, as a, in in Sixth Sense in this movie, I think supremely talented yeah uh, but i mean I, no way saying anything negative about him i'm yeah, saying yeah, like yeah, the, yeah. the the act of being in this movie i just in that moment i was just like god i've been watching this movie for so long <laughs> yeah. how much time did this take how like yeah. how much did this person have to go through and this is an actual child and mm-hmm. it just made me so sad for him mm. well because I'm fun like that. Yeah, NC-17. But yeah, then. NC-17. Okay. Right. It deals with a lot that is just going to horrify you if you're a young parent. And maybe if you're an older one, I don't know. We'll see when we get there. It's a rough movie for anybody. AI is a rough movie. It brings up a lot of uh, issues. But we have to rate this film now. 
on a scale of one to four, something that uh, you will only find in this movie. Um, Ann and I will go first in our ratings here. But Van, your rating will be the official rating of AI on this show and all other shows. So <laughs> yes. uh, your rating cancels out our rating and it cancels out all the other bullshit that people have ever yeah. said about the movie or this or that, you know, it's good, it's bad, it's whatever. Uh, people now just can, they only need to refer to you, no Rotten Tomatoes, You're, you make the last call on the on the movie um what shall we they, rate they can uh threads threads you about it is that yeah, a thing you can Do put it on your thread they can thread it <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. uh what shall we rate ai out of uh dave the uh, david's in a box Da uh, oh, David's in a box. That little wiggly one, the one that scared him. <laughs> the one that oh, the all those all, all, oh, the, in the big row. You're yeah, talking yeah. about. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Not the one, the hanging ones, the boxed ones. Not the, the, the fully packaged Davids next to the Darlene's. Or maybe Darlene's. Maybe uh, <laughs> one to four Darlene's that we never even met. Oh, oh, is Darlene that what Darlene's? The There's sister? a female David in a right. box next oh. to. There's a row of Darlene in a boxes. You never see her, but we can only assume it looks exactly like him with a haircut. <laughs> yes, I think it's with a wig. A, with a wig <laughs> type, because they've only got David prototypes out. They seem right. to only really be able to make Davids, but then there's these Darlene's that you can see the <laughs> the hair shape. So I can only imagine it's just a wig. Oh no, I know there's another character who has a dead daughter. There's there's got to be one of those other characters we saw. Is like I'm mourning the loss of my. They're like please don't say daughter. Please don't say another kid. <laughs> You know, I found that image of all the of all the Davids. I actually thought about this. I was like, if I walked into a room and saw that there were a bunch of me mm -hmm. that were created, I think this was a much more effective, thematic, juicy thing in 2001. Because now through the internet, I know there are many guys like me out there. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. my unique, mm -hmm. my snowflakeness or whatever as they say in mm -hmm. Fight Club, which has now become, I guess, a different a, thing. Yeah, different thing. But my my uniqueness, I ha I do devalue my uniqueness quite a bit. This is not the mm -hmm. walking into a room and like seeing a bunch of you of you in a box. Well, is being not an the, actor, you take away the uniqueness. You go into a room and then you're like, oh my god, it's like 10, 15 of me. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. They look just like me. Yeah, they just look just, just like yeah. like some dark haired guy that likes movies is like I meet like fifty of those guys every day on a on a picket line you know like they're not they're that's mm -hmm. they're you know you don't this is not that i'm like on a podcast like going like here's what i think about ai is like that's not unique like there's no like it's right you know, are you eating spinach right now is that what's happening I'm eating, I'm eating <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're psychologically anyway. eating spinach i get it but we have to come up with that, what we're gonna so write I, it on well i like the i like the box david scale but i would suggest that if we were going to do that the equivalent to say a, a half star would be a, a partially unboxed and opened. Oh, David. not a half a David. Oh, that's not, crawling not around. Mint, not mint. Yeah. Yes, not mint. Yeah, okay. not mint. Can't sell it on eBay. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I like that. Wait, what is the? Okay, wait a minute. Hold on. Yeah, it would be like uh, new without tags. I know that phrase. N W O T, okay. new without tags. Uh, okay. It's for clothing, but I don't know what for dolls and stuff it is. A grading scale. Okay. Oh, oh here we go. C9. This is the toy grading scale. C, C5. Loose. This will give us some terms. Oh, to work sure. Off of. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because also, uh, I think the lowest rating possible is uh, is 
uh, David with smashed in head by other David. <laughs> David with missing head. Yes. Lo- loose David head. <laughs> okay, David, loose David. So on a scale of loose David head to mint in box David, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll, we'll each find our own rating uh, in, okay. on this scale. We'll find it, yes. Uh, um, I'll happily go first. I think that... Yes. Um, I think. Oh that- yes, M I S B mint in sealed boxes. Boxes still factory sealed and has never been opened. That's the da- that's the row of David. That's the David that yeah. you want. Yeah, yeah. That's not even M I B. That's M I S B. I'm gonna um, start putting this on dating apps and just see what people think that means. <laughs> oh, you were you were gonna find the best guys, guys that collects a- action figures. <laughs> Oh yeah. Oh, yep. they're coming for you. Um, I think that, uh, as I said, I think that Miss uh, Mission Impossible. What the fuck am I talking about? I think that AI is a uh, was disturbing to me when it came out, and is and I think is still retains a lot of its unsettling qualities. I don't. I think this movie asks interesting questions. I think it's absolutely fascinating to see Spielberg direct uh, a piece that originated with Kubrick, and I and I and I have to say for Haley Joel Osment, I think his performance in this movie, he so effectively plays the synthetic part of the performance, the robot part of the performance, and by the end of the movie, you do believe in his plight to give and receive love. I would say. And it's the only movie I can think of. I've seen a lot of these, a lot of movies where actors play robots and, you know, on this theme. And the only ones I can think of, maybe The Iron Giant, maybe Wally, you know, but those are animated movies. This is the only one I've seen that actually gets a, really gets across this question that's in so many AI stories. It, it's the only one that really gets across a character where by the end, I'm like, wow, that that AI really did love at the end. And so it's very effective and it's and it's largely due to Haley Joel Osment. So I think that like flaws and all, and it is a really flawed movie. It does succeed. Like they actually did pull it off through Haley Joel Osment's performance. Uh, this question of like, can a machine become so hyper intelligent that it can exceed human intelligence or equal or exceed human intelligence and love? Um, Haley will make you believe that it can. Um, so I'm going to give this three, three mint in box Haley's. No, I'm not going to give it a mint in box. I'm going to give it mint in sealed box. I'm going to give it. A M O C. Oh no, that's wrong. That's I'm a gonna card. give it. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say that this movie's in a box, but it's it's a damaged box. It's a damaged oh. box. It's it's some it's got the tam the the packaging has some wear and tear, little, a few dog ears. It's 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 in good condition, but it's in a damaged box. It's got the Chris Rock stuff. It's got some stuff in it that's a little bit dated and corny and doesn't work. So I'm gonna I'm just I'm just gonna say the item is mint, but it's in a damaged box. But how many of them are there? Oh, I guess I should I should I, I, okay uh, that it, it would is this like, too many layers? It's a lot of layers, <laughs> but so does the movie have three but. three and a, three three and three and a half three and a half. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, from my perspective, I think when I first watched this movie, I was like, that movie kind of was disturbing. I very distinctly remember Chris Rock's face burning. Uh, Did not like that at all at the time. Uh, Still don't. Still don't. 
I think when I saw this movie, I was like really struck by the beginning and then kind of at the beginning and the end. And I think I still uh, had kind of a stronger reaction at the beginning and the end because they have the most to do with, I think, what people struggle with in life of like looking for love and trying to understand. I mean, there's a little bit at the end about like, well, is it real? Is it actual love? You know, this sort of weird make creating something that loves you, which is the process of having a child is like they kind of do automatically love you. Um, Which that stuff struck me a little bit different now. I guess it made the movie a little bit darker, like the immense responsibility. Um, And then towards the end of the movie, when we get into sort of like the the society of the Mecca and stuff, it's like the responsibility that people have to the Mecca creatures is an enormous responsibility to all of this is sort of like people are responsible for all of this, for the climate change, for, for everything. And by the end, I was just like, okay, this is uh, some of this I'm coming up with because this movie is actually not really <laughs> that good in certain ways. <laughs> um, and it, but it's an adventure movie, but it feels like every time it gets close to something where it's like, this is a profound statement, it sort of skitters away and it's like, oh, there's the, the guy, the, the TV director. Uh, like it, it feels it, some moments are very, very intense. And then it's like, oh, never mind, never mind. Let's move on. More adventure, um, which is frustrating about the movie. I think, uh. But it's in a way, it doesn't matter because the scale of it, the discussion that they're having, the level of how great Haley Joel Osment is at playing it just in uh, intense, 100 percent yearning for almost three hours is that's an amazing performance. Um, yeah, I, I, I'd say I'd give it three and a half. I, I would give it three and a half mint in box because. You know, sort of a it's a two thousand one artifact. It's even got the twin towers in it. Mm-hmm. And we can't a- we can't ask it to be a movie from right now. I think it'll age well because of that because it sort of holds on to some of these weird elements of the Robin Williams character. Like it it will make it more distinctly of its own era, and I think in a good way, um, and less about like some bigger AI idea. All right. Was, half, was that long enough? That's, hey, you know, <laughs> it's appropriate for a movie with a fourth act. Uh, uh-huh. And uh, all right, Van, you're, uh, you're up. So I, I do have a hard time with some of the flaws of the movie, like seeing past some of the like uh, weird middle part. Um, but again, that performance is just so good um, because you really do believe it. You believe a boy can bot or whatever it was you, <laughs> you said. Um, but there are just like, and I will actually, another compliment for the movie. I is this, uh, Aside from the, the uh, D-Day sequence, is this the start of the Spielberg bleach bypass era of that look? Yeah. I think this is yeah. the first of that uh, 2000 Spielberg aesthetic that he had for a while. Yeah, the bypass, um, uh, this and Minority Report notably, and mm-hmm. then um, uh, I know More of the Worlds. More of the Worlds has, yeah. has it too. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so it is like, you know, it as much as it's him doing 
doing a little like a collaboration that's a little complicated. Like he breaks out some of his new aesthetic here and kind of it pushes him a little bit in certain ways as a filmmaker for that. And I think that speaks to its quality as a film that it, he tried some new stuff in it in that way. Again, that middle section where he doesn't try new stuff in the forest is just the forest from E.T. Uh, <laughs> it's the um, Pacific Northwest. <laughs> yeah. Um, specifically E.T. the ride forest. Um, oh. <laughs> um, that, that does lose some points for that. So I'm going to give it... Uh, I am also going to give it three and a half. But my three and a half are going to be three and a half with boxes. David's. David's with uh, box. Described mm-hmm. in the message here as the toy is complete <laughs> in C9 condition, but with an opened box and no inner packaging. Because oh. I feel like it was missing in that middle. Uh, some of the <laughs> oh, inner packaging. The inner packaging. <laughs> <laughs> so it's missing like a little like that little like plastic framing around. Yes, the yes. Exactly. Okay. exactly. All right. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Wow, three and a half with box. Okay, <laughs> but not this would all be the pretty pieces good, of packaging. This would be a pretty good uh, toy to make that could, you know, walk around and talk and stuff. Um, they uh, they did make a teddy bear. Um, well, of uh, course uh, they did. Uh, yes, which I don't think many people bought. Um, <laughs> yeah, because it can't actually talk to you and ask you questions about your feelings and save hair in its chest. <sighs> It can't say when you're at the uh, dinner table, you're eating spinach. It goes, it says, you will break. (laughs) (laughs) At that moment, remember that hair? So, okay, this is weird. I kept it. Look, I got to tell you. It's from 2,000 years ago. (laughs) Yeah. I, it was, I don't know why I did it. I don't want to try and explain it, but uh, yeah, I have that. I have that hair. I saw this movie Jurassic Park uh, where they bring back... (laughs) You know what would have been easier if he was like, did you see that insert shot of me putting hair into my belly? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was relevant. Because that's, you know that. Yeah, that was relevant. I love Teddy Bear. Or Teddy. 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 Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I love him. Um, Van Robichaux, thank you so much for being uh, our guest here uh, tonight. Happy to be um, here. Glad to uh, do it. R- really, uh, the, you were you were the man yes. we wanted to talk to. Uh, this was the was this was the uh, the, the a great uh, discussion of a, I think of a movie that is like um, as we all say, it's three and a half flawed but interesting, but infinitely yeah. interesting. You're Jack around. and Jill also pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> underrated, <and> <laughs> underrated Sandler. A little Check good side out. discussion of Jack and Jill. <laughs> yeah. uh, you're up so much. Uh, to, I know that right now your pri- your primary thing is uh, is a uh, 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 helping organize uh, WGA pickets uh, out there. But uh, uh, what else? Uh, what else should people be looking out for? Oh uh, well, I would say to to look out for um, uh, Villain Con Minion Blast opening this summer at Universal Orlando Theme Park, uh, the theme park ride that I um, co created and wrote. Um, oh my God! Really? Yes, uh, that's uh, one of the th- other things that I do in addition to um, writing and uh, learning about AI and building robots. I work on theme park rides. Um, that's very cool. And it, uh, it is opening this summer and it's the Florida park. So that does not count as crossing a picket line. 
So feel free to go. <laughs> you can go. <laughs> and it's not, it's safe to say that you're like one of the minion, you're like one of the go-to minion people for minion I, material. I, yes, I work on a lot of minion um, minion things. Um, for, for illumination yes. and so forth. Yeah, I'm, yeah. So you're, wow. um, I cannot wait to ride this ride. I'm going to, I will. Oh my God. I, I minion ride? There. Sounds great. But it's only in Florida. It's only in Florida. Oh, okay. So um, you'll have to make a special trip. Yeah. I, yeah, I will. I'll go there. I'll go there for the first time. Just for that ride, and then leave. <laughs> that sounds like a good idea. <laughs> we could die next door at the Minion Cafe. <gasps> oh my god! Uh, I named uh, well, several items on the menu there. So. Oh my god! Really? <laughs> yes. So your your sphere of influence includes snacks. Yes. Yes. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, yeah. we have to have you back to talk about something else because I want to go way in more depth about this. I know. I, I, left, the, I know. left the minion thing out. And I, oh, I, I, my I, God. I, I'm Why? just not realizing it was a mistake. That, that could have been yeah. the first 20 minutes of the show. Really? Uh, yeah. And, and uh, follow Van there on social media. Your Van. Your van, uh, van the brand on van social the brand media. In, in most places. This is uh, uh, you'll always get uh, uh, great takes. And, and, and I'll tell you what, if you're in the WGA, vote for this man when he's up for a, for up for a, a, up for the board. Uh, that's what I I would say if you want to follow our show where mama needs a movie uh pod on instagram where mama pod on twitter where uh where we have a little a little uh humble patreon uh, going at called attention <laughs> must be paid uh, where we talk yep. about underrated films yep yeah. we just talked about the music of chance and love after love uh you don't know what those movies are google them um because they're great and um if you listen to our show you can kind of get a feel for uh, some like non-classics um, that are underrated or just not available very easily. Yeah, future um, pre-classics. Yeah, pre-classics. Right, yeah. like I'm pre-WGA. <laughs> <laughs> like never gonna happen, but hey, good. Thank you so much for being on and we will uh, yeah, see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.